when a young boy is told not to play in his parents' closet, he's going to do it anyways. But what's waiting in that closet may have him questioning, what is reality? And then we meet a young couple starting off life together. While they currently live in a small town home, they've always been on the search for their dream house. Little do they know that their dream house is also searching for them. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to get started right away. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right here is one of our legacy Patreons. Longtime supporter of the show. Give it up for... I can't pronounce your name, bro. You're going to have to forgive me. Rolf! Woohoo! Yeah, Rolf! Come on. Everyone's like, is he calling my name? I don't know. No one's walking in yet. Rolf, R-O-L-F. Rolf, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, if you guys don't want to hear me totally butcher your name, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Rolf, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to start our journey off by flying all the way out to a little house in suburban America. Also, while we're taking the journey out there, I want to tell you guys that this week drops a new episode of the Asylum Case Studies. It is a podcast hosted by my friend Tressa, where she invites people on to watch really bad or sometimes I like them. I don't know why she keeps having me back on. I was like, oh, that was a good show. That was a good one. Uh, She invites people on to watch Asylum movies. Those are those sci-fi channel mockbusters like Transmorphers or Android Cop and things like that. We recently did Mega Piranha. About piranhas so big they eat a battleship. It's hilarious and grueling. It was one of the worst movies that I've watched. Definitely one of the worst movies I've watched on the Asylum Case Studies. So check out that episode. I'll have it in the show notes. The Asylum Case Studies. It is a great podcast. Rolf is flying us on out to this house. Now, we don't have a lot of details. This story was posted anonymously recently on the X board. Someone was asking for weird creature stories. You had some good ones. You had stuff about, like, reptilians or seeing, like, weird things in the forest and stuff like that. There's some good stuff. But again, the question always is, is it dead rabbit radio interesting? And as I'm scrolling through this thread, it's a lot of good stuff. But this was the one that I was like, wow, this is a crazy story. Crazy, if true. Obviously, whenever we come across stuff anywhere, online, written in a book or a magazine, world of the paranormal, a lot of people lie, make stuff up. But let's take a look at this story. Now, we don't have this person's name, no date, anything like that. But I'm going to call this guy Gary. We're going to say that he lives somewhere in suburban America. Gary tells this story. He says, listen, when I was around five or six years old, this happened to me. I was a, I was a young little guy. His dad goes, hey, Gary, listen. Don't ever go in my closet. Don't ever go in my closet. I don't know if he said it that ominously. I don't think if he hopped out every so often, like the little boy's getting out of the shower, dad jumps out, don't go in the closet. Mowing the lawn, dad pops out of the weeds, don't go in the closet, and you almost get ran over with the lawnmower. I don't know if it was a constant refrain, but the dad was very clear. Do not go into my closet, Gary. 
I'm assuming Gary was a little whippersnapper, a little Dennis the Menace-esque character constantly getting in escapades. He did almost run over his dad with a lawnmower that one day. But Gary goes, listen, my dad told me not to play in the closet. And I knew why. Because he had a gun in the closet. But he told him not to go in the closet. So, of course, Gary's going to go in the closet. That's what kids do. And Carrie said, sure enough, one day I was at home and I went into the closet. I went into my parents' closet and he goes, when I'm in the closet, I find this small, plain cardboard box. He's looking at this box and he said there were holes on the side where you could pick the box up. And he picked it up and it was empty. The box was completely empty. He's like, oh, okay. And then he flipped the box over. To use as a table. So I don't know if he brought. I don't know if he brought in a spread of meat and cheeses. And he's like. Oh this is the only place I can relax. The parents closet. I got my little snack ready to go. My PSP. I'm just going to sit here and play some video games. And eat these snacks. I don't know why. I mean I can understand one thing. Wanting to go into a closet. If your parents say don't go in the closet. But I don't know why. Once he was in there. He decided to turn it into a little living space. Brings in a beanbag chair. He flips the box over and he says, I'm going to use it as a table. And he said, what happened was, after flipping it over and setting it down on the ground, hundreds of bugs began to crawl out of the holes on the side of the box. Now, he shirks back in fear, but it's that type of paralysis fear. He can't do anything. He can't even scream as he sees an untold amount of beetles and cockroaches and ants and centipedes spill out of this box. And he goes, those centipedes were impossibly large. Like they were just the grossest, biggest centipedes I had ever seen in my life. And he goes, I'm just watching this ocean of insect life pour out of this empty box. He didn't pick it up and go, huh, this seems like it's holding an infinite number of bugs. It was empty. But when he flipped it over, all of these bugs are pouring out of the box. And he was freaking out. And he's so scared he can't even scream. He goes, I didn't move. I didn't say a word. I just sat there and stared at all of these bugs pouring out of the side of this box. And then he goes, I don't remember what happened next. He goes, I was staring at this gross monstrosity. I was staring at all these disgusting bugs crawl out of this box. And the next thing I know, I'm I'm not in the closet anymore. Like, I just, I, I don't really remember anything. I think I might have passed out. I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a little tip, Gary. It's probably not good to pass out when there's a bunch of bugs around. Because they're going to climb inside you, right? They're going to climb in your mouth and your nose and all that stuff. But... Assuming an assuming a human controlled by insects didn't type out this post, he goes, I don't even remember the end of the story. He goes, here's the thing. It could have been a dream. It could have been a dream because it just doesn't make sense and I don't remember it ever ending. He goes, I could have hallucinated it, but I never had a hallucination before or since. Any, nothing like that. I'd never seen anything like that before. He goes, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that was a memory, though. Like, I remember it. And that was an interesting story. There, right there, was an interesting story where he picks the box up and flips it over. And, and a previously empty box. Again, if he had picked it up and it was heavy, a bunch of bugs pour out of it. That's just him releasing his dad's private insect collection. But the fact that the box was empty when he picked it up and when he set it down, they crawled out. 
Interesting. Now, assuming the story's not a hallucination or not a dream, there's an interesting spin on this. Another person posting on the X board gave this theory. And to be fair, even they said, it's just a theory. This is just a theory. But we talk about this a lot on the show. He said, I think that when you went in that closet, there was the, the box you found was the box with the gun. And you accidentally killed yourself. And as he was sitting there looking at all the bugs coming out, he was watching the decay of his old body. Like the bugs and the centipedes and the cockroaches were all these things that were crawling around this dead boy's skin inside this coffin. It was a representation of that. But he shifted into a universe where he was still alive. He still has the memory of the decay. He still has the memory of these horrible life forms crawling all over him. And the only way his mind can process a memory that happened after he died was in this sort of theatrical manner. But basically, you accidentally killed yourself when you went into the closet. And your parents told you not to go in the closet. You accidentally shot yourself. You died. And then you have brief memories of being dead. And then you got slotted into a universe where you're still alive. Quantum immortality. We've talked a lot about it on this show. And I think I'll put a couple episodes in the show notes that talk about that. I think it's very fascinating. It's a theory I'm not 100% on. I don't, I have some serious questions about that, which I've talked about in past episodes. So I'm not going to reiterate it here. But this story also reminded me of the story we. It was about the wheel. This guy got in a horrible car accident and then a giant city-sized wheel, like a water wheel, showed up and scooped him up and was trying to throw him into a random universe. What a fascinating story that was and that this is, right? Like, this is possible. It's possible the author totally made it up, but it's also possible that it was a dream or hallucination. But it could be, again, the fact of someone dying in one universe and shifting over to another one. And it kind of matches some of those details. Really, really creepy story. Nonetheless, though. Rolf, let's go ahead and toss you the keys. I'm going to put the keys for the carpenter copter in a box full of maggots. Rolf, go ahead and reach your hand into this box of maggots. And I don't know why I, don't, I, don't know why I torment my Patreon supporters so much. I'm so grateful for your assistance. I will reach in and grab it. That's the type of gentleman I am. I will squeeze the maggots for you. Rolf, here's the keys to the carpenter copter. We're leaving behind this young boy's house. We're headed all the way out to another house. There's a lot of houses. This is a house-themed episode. Before we move on, I want to do a real quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. It's called the movie House. The movie House. That was a creepy movie. I actually don't know if I'd say Dead Rabbit Recommends that, but it was about, like, if I remember correctly, John Goodman and Bill Maher they were fighting Vietnam veterans who were haunting a house or something like that. <laughs> Maybe that movie was a dream, actually, now that I think about it. Rolf, fly this carpenter copter over to this townhome. Now, again, this is a story. This wasn't posted on the X board, but it was posted anonymously. And the person who posted... I had this story sitting in my file for a while. This was one of those stories where I wasn't for sure I was going to do it. Not because it's not cool. But we'll get to that in a second. And then, in the meantime, I found the story. I was prepping the story. And the person deleted their account and deleted this post. Everything's disappeared. But luckily, I was able to find... 
I mean, literally, like, as I was working on it this week, I went to go double check something. They just canceled everything out. Luckily, I was able to find it in the web archive. So there is a way for you to read the story as well. But longtime listeners of the show know that I'm not a huge fan of dreams. <laughs> not that I don't want you to have your own hopes and aspirations. Not that I, I don't enjoy my own sleepy time dreams. Dreams are so weird already. Sometimes there's a lot of symbolism. Sometimes it's just neurons firing. That I've never been a huge fan of telling people's dreams or interpreting dreams and things like that. However, this story hits a certain bar because this story does something quite odd. So that's why I was kind of teetering. Like, dude, is this Dead Rabbit Radio interesting? And I decided to go with it. And let's go ahead and get this story started. This user, they deleted their account, but we're going to go ahead and call her Monica. So Monica currently is engaged to a young man, we'll call him Brad. And Monica and Brad are living in this small townhome, along with Brad's son. And she said, you know, this was a nice house, but we were always looking for our forever home. We were looking for our dream house. And we would often go through Zillow, which is a real estate website looking at different houses. And they'd watch all that HGTV do the home or blow the home where you can either figure out if you want to live in it or set it on fire with a blowtorch or the two brothers knock out your window show where they just walk around and kick windows out of random houses. You know all those HGTV shows. Garden it or gallow it where you have 24 hours to make the perfect garden or you get hung. All that stuff. And they're looking through Zillow and they're constantly looking for their dream home. Now, on this particular day, apparently this is fairly recent, she said the night before we had a big family dinner. So they were tired, right? They all got the big bellies full of turkey, and they had to prepare everything for all these people coming over, and they probably stayed up too late, and they're watching HGTV. They're like, oh no, I hope that guy doesn't get hung today. I really like the way he planted those petunias. The next day, they're still beat, and they said, how old are these people? <laughs> are these people like 65? What are you talking about? Anyways... They don't, they get tired if they stay up too late or something like that. So they take a nap in the middle of the day. They take a nap. They go, you know what? There sure was a lot of work last night. Let's both take a nap. So Monica and Brad catch a couple snoozies. Monica is now walking through this big house. And she's admiring it. Like it's large and it's old. And it's everything her and Brad ever wanted in a home. She's looking around and she's like, oh, look at all of these open windows. Look at how the sunlight comes into this room. And I'll go in this room. Oh, it's so beautiful. They have like four walls and a ceiling. And then look at, look at stairs. I can go down a floor. And she's walking around this house. They had just purchased their dream home. And as she's walking through this house, she starts to realize that this house is not just big. It's huge. She's checking out all the rooms, and she's walking down the hallways, which seem to be more like corridors that go on forever. The house seems infinitely large. Her and Brad meet again in this house. They're sending smoke signals to each other. They're like, I'm down here, here. They meet back up. This is their new home. They bought it. They go to bed. And Monica wakes up, and something is not right. She goes, this is a dream. This is a dream. I live in a townhome. Like, th this is just a dream. This house isn't real. 
And Brad is like, no, honey, this house is real. Trust me, trust me. When we get the first mortgage payment, you'll realize how real it is. And she's like, no, 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 no. Something's off. Like, this isn't real. I'm just dreaming. Monica would spend the day walking through the house, looking at everything. Wow, I can't believe we just bought this house. So beautiful. And then she'd wake up in the bed in the house, this old house. She'd wake up in a bed in this house and go... This isn't real. This is just a dream. And her fiancé would say, Honey, no, this is real. Trust me, once you get the first mortgage payment, you'll realize how real this house... No, 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 this isn't real. Something's wrong. She'd be walking through the house during the day, and she started having this thought in the back of her head, This isn't real. I'm going to wake up tonight, and I'm going to know that this is a dream. But right now, this feels real. This is real. Is it? And then she would wake up at night. I knew I this something's wrong. I'm I can't get out of this dream. Like I've spent a couple days here. And this is all a dream. This is all one dream. This isn't my real house. And Brad is like, no, 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 this is our real house. <laughs> Once you get the mortgage payment, she's like, shut up. This is a this is a dream. During the day, she'd be walking around with Brad, and she heard a voice off somewhere in the house. You can't make out what they're saying or who they are, but someone's in this house with them. And she tells Brad, shh, shh, Do you hear that? And Brad's like, what? No, what are you talking about? I don't hear anything. Monica goes, you don't hear that. That's clearly people talking. Brad's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I know you keep trying to say that everything's a dream, that this is a dream. Yeah, it's a dream house. That's why we bought it, but this is reality. And Monica is trying to ignore Brad because she's starting to recognize the voices in the distance. She's hearing herself and Brad have a conversation somewhere in this house. She wakes up in the middle of the night and she's sitting in this house and she goes, what is going on? I know this is a dream and I can't get out of it. I know this is a dream. It has to be a dream. But Brad always reminds her it's not a dream. Then Monica begins to get a sensation, a feeling, a, a way out. Monica starts to get this obsession with finding the mirror. She doesn't know why it's a mirror. She doesn't know where this mirror may be. And if I'm mispronouncing that, you know, that's that thing that shows your reflection. A mirror. She begins to obsess. Somewhere in this house is a mirror. And if I find the mirror and I look in the mirror, I can escape from this dream. Now, again, the whole time her fiancé is going, what dream? What are you talking about? This is real. And she spends her days looking in all the little rooms in this house, trying to find the mirror. She wakes up in the middle of the night. This is a dream. How, how am I waking up in a dream? The bedroom door opens up, and her fiancé's son walks into the room. 
She can't see him really clearly in the dark, but she recognizes his voice. And this little boy crawls into bed with him, crawls underneath the sheets, and crawls into the bed with Brad and Monica. And as he is moving his way up underneath the sheets in between the both of them, she realizes this isn't his son. She's looking at this form moving under the sheets, and she goes, It sounded like him, but I knew it wasn't him. The figure under the sheets was too long, too big to be the boy. Monica wakes up in the middle of the night. She needs to get out of the dream. It's driving her insane. Finally, on one of these daily journeys when she's going room to room to room to room to room, she finally finds the mirror. And she turns and she looks into it and she sees herself as an old, decrepit woman. She wakes up. She's in the bed, in the townhome, laying next to Brad. And she goes, listen, I had a really, really hard time believing that this was, this was real. Like when I woke up in the bed I went to sleep in just a couple hours ago, I had been trapped in this unreal world that seemed so real for so long that when I woke up in the townhome, I couldn't believe that it was real. I immediately woke up Brad and was like, oh my God, oh my God. Is this real? Is any of this stuff real? He's like, dude, what are you talking about? It's going to sound crazy, but I can't figure out if this is real or not. And Brad goes, yeah, I don't, I mean, and he's just kind of flustered by this whole thing, right? Like, how do you respond when someone's yell? They wake you up, they wake you up from a deep sleep and they're like, am I real? Am I real? Brad's like, listen, listen, listen. I mean, like, you just woke me up having a really bad nightmare. Just let me catch my bearings before we have whatever conversation you want to have. She goes, you had a nightmare? I had a nightmare. It was awful. And Brad's like, yeah, dude, I had like one of the worst dreams. I was, I dreamt we were in this giant house. This huge house. Impossibly large house. And uh, it was, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. The, the dream kept looping. Like I kept like doing stuff during the day and then I would fall asleep at night. And the, I mean, that's what normal, that's normally how the life works. But what happened was I started to realize that this was fake. Like this dream house was not real, but you didn't believe me. You kept saying, no, no, Brad, it's real. It's real. And then I, I started looking for a mirror. Uh, it's just weird. And you kept trying to convince me that I was way older than I actually am. Like you kept saying I was like in my fifties and I was like, no, I'm not like I'm in my thirties and I could play a young 20. It was super weird. You were constantly trying to convince me I was older. And then I was running around the house and I knew that I needed to find a mirror. I was looking all over for this mirror. And then I would wake up in bed and the whole loop would start over again. And then I'm looking for the mirror. And then the next thing you know, you're shaking me and you woke me up. Now, what's interesting is she wrote this post like the same day it happened. She was posting this on the High Strangeness subreddit, which is a great subreddit. They have a lot of really cool stuff. High Strangeness is a term, a catch-all term for just the world of paranormal. It's a really, really good subreddit. She posted this on the High Strangeness subreddit, and she posted it that day, and she goes, I don't know 
what to think. She goes, I believe that I'm back in the real world, and I do believe it was a weird dream, but how could my fiancé have had the same dream? Like, how does this work? And she goes, he went back to sleep. And she hasn't been able to fall asleep. She hasn't been able to fall asleep, like, which would make sense because he didn't see the mirror, right? His dream didn't come to an end. He didn't see the mirror. She saw the conclusion of it as this old, decrepit person. In his dream, she was just trying to convince him that he was old, which 50 is not that old. But when you're in your 30s, it might seem old. So that could be why he <laughs> that's could be why he went back to sleep, because he wasn't confronted with that horror of his own mortality. It's interesting. She does say, she goes, listen, I'll be honest. Like in the past, I've had issues with dreams that I kind of have a loop where I fall asleep and wake up. She goes, that has happened to me in the past. She goes, I used to have severe insomnia. So I'd have things like sleep paralysis. I would have lucid dreaming, but she goes, even with those experiences, one, it's never been like this before. She goes, even when I was suffering through severe insomnia, I've never had a dream quite like this. Ever. Never felt the same. It didn't play out the same. And she goes, how is it that he had the same dream? Like the exact same dream. And that's really why I wanted to cover it, because that goes against everything we know about dreams. When I have a dream... That's super creepy. Like I famously, I've told this dream a couple times on the show. It's really only two, two or three sentences. I don't remember what the dream was about, but at the ending, it had something to do with Jesus and the devil and all this stuff. Because at the ending, there was a knock on the door of my door. And I opened it and standing outside my door were these two big bodyguards. And then there was Satan standing there. They're all wearing like little business suits. Satan. And he had cut off Jesus' face. He like tore the skin from Jesus' face and was wearing it. It was like stapled to his face. And the devil did this little dance, like this little like da-da-da-da-da-da-wah-wah type of dance. And I screamed so loud in the dream, I woke up. I was screaming in real life. Like it was such a shocking image to see Jesus' face ripped off. And stapled to the devil's face. And he was doing this little jig. The, the, the jig isn't what scared me. The dance isn't what scared me. I remember I screamed so loud I woke up. That's a weird dream, right? Do I think it symbolized anything? Not necessarily. It's weird. It's not paranormal. It's just a dream. But when you have two people sharing the dream, that is paranormal. That's not possible in what we know about dreams. And that's what she's saying in the High Strangeness subreddit. She Ends it like that. Is there a term for this? Like the dream sharing. Has anyone else experienced this before? Why were we in the same house in both of our dreams? Why were we both looking for a mirror? Why did we both age in our dreams? All really good questions. And you could do dream analysis on some of them. The aging, the mirrors. I'm sure there's reasoning behind that. But again, that's just dreams. How were they both in the same house? How are they both even having the same dream? Those are the important ones, I think. You can analyze dreams all you want, but how are they in the same house? How do they share a dream? And that really led me to this, and this is how I want to wrap it up. We all know that when we're sleeping, we're at our most vulnerable. That's why... Animals in general don't sleep out in the open, right? But that's we're talking about physically, physically vulnerable. When we talk about the subconscious, right? 
you're incredibly vulnerable when you're sleeping. Because you, unless you're a very experienced lucid dreamer, you just kind of go where your subconscious takes you. And we talk about being in haunted houses, or we talk about having experiences with ghosts, but remember, they're in our world. They're, they have to follow certain rules that we have. I mean, of course, they can float through walls, they can be invisible, and all this stuff, but you very, very rarely, there's only been a few counts of ghosts flying. We've covered stories of, like, there was a three-story building, the third story was haunted when they knocked down the third story, they put up a new building, you can still hear the haunting, like, 20 feet above the roof. There are examples like that, but for the most part, ghosts walk on boats. They can actually stand on the deck of a boat. If you're in a two-story apartment and your apartment's haunted, the ghost isn't constantly floating, floating through your floor, haunting the downstairs neighbor. Like, ghosts do have to walk on floors. Does that make sense? Like, ghosts have a set of physics that they follow. But in the dream world, there there is zero physics. The only reason why people walk on the ground in your dreams is because people walk on the ground in real life. There is no there's no actual gravity in a dream. Digital clocks and digital devices do not work in dreams. This is something they've studied. If you have an analog clock that goes tick, 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 and if you look at that clock in a dream and it says 302, and then you look away, and then you turn back and look at that clock again, it'll say 302 and 33 seconds. If there's a digital clock there that says 302, and you look away in the dream and you look back, it'll say 2704. It's a weird quirk of dreaming. Digital devices do not work in dreams. Why? Because they don't have to. There's no physics. See, a clock that has actual mechanisms in it. We understand how a clock works, and its little gears going click, 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 and you're actually walk, watching it click. A digital device does not have those things. It's just a display of something that it knows the time that we don't have any access to. You could take it apart, but it's weird quirk. It's a, That's how, one of the tricks people who are into lucid dreaming use. To tell whether or not they're dreaming. Because dreams are so realistic, a lot of times they're indistinguishable. So, there are no rules in dreams. So imagine not being in a haunted house. Imagine being trapped in a haunted dream. Like, if something wanted to get you, that really would be the best place to haunt you. And that's terrifying. I mean, we did an episode of, you know, Freddy Krueger was based on a true story. I know that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever said on this show. I will put it in the show notes. Nightmare on Elm Street is, in fact, based on a series of articles written in the LA Times. Kids were really dying. Kids were really dying because of this phenomenon. So it's a real phenomenon. But two people having the same dream being trapped in this, it really... Seems like this is a serious issue. But what's causing it? Where is it coming from? And more importantly, how do you stop it? Do you find a dream priest? Like, if you're in the dream itself and you think you're being haunted, would you then go to a church in the dream to have the demon be exercised or have the ghost be banished in the dream. Like, all bets are off. This is so fascinating to me. How do you stop it? Do you wake up 
and consult a religious leader? Do you try to handle it in the dream? I don't know. Like, my advice to this person, I don't really have answers to any of their questions. Which makes it even more terrifying. Because you have to sleep. You have to sleep. But if when you fall asleep, you live three years, four years, five years, however long you're trapped in this loop, and the whole time there's something in that dream with you, eating your fear, devouring your loosh, your emotional energy that powers it, I mean, you could produce more psychic agony in a single night of a ever-looping nightmare than you could in an entire life, because you can fit... 15, 20, an infinite a number of lifetimes into a dream. And they could become more terrifying than anything you could possibly imagine. Because it doesn't have to follow any sort of consistent guidelines. It doesn't have to follow any rules. It's just the subconscious making it up as it goes along. A terrifying story, a terrifying phenomenon, if this is true. What are these people in for? This is a new story. This popped up maybe like two or three months ago. And now we'll never know the ending to it, right? Anyone can pop up and say, oh, I was that person. I posted that, but we'll never know. Was this a continuous haunting? Was this something they were able to get rid of or no? It's a terrifying story. And it used what they wanted to invite them in. During the day, during reality, they would watch shows about new homes and designing new homes and decorating new homes. And they would go on Zillow and look for listings of new homes. This is what this couple wanted. They wanted their forever home. And that's exactly what the darkness gave them. A home they would be trapped in forever. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.